Have you ever stolen your boyfriend's sweater? Or seen that friend you don't talk to anymore wearing the jeans that you thought you lost years ago? That's what this episode's all about. Join Mia Meta as she shares the stories of people in different places in their lives who have different meanings for artifacts of their past. This is Same Difference. And just a heads up, this episode does have explicit content. During their life, humans collect tangible memories. The belongings of someone else somehow finding their way into your closet, your dresser, resting underneath your bed, unnoticed and covered in dust. From lovers, to friends, to family members who have passed on. Our fast-paced society makes us question what to do with these things. Do we Marie Kondo our lives and rid of those that no longer bring us joy? Do we wallow in our remembrances and keep them as objects of sentiment? Or do we simply allow them to become ours and place them back in our drawer without any feeling at all? Some people are simple souls. Belongings come and go. They're mildly treasured, mildly valuable. Their existence not swaying in one direction or another, but left unbothered and allowed. And they hold on to it, whatever it is. Even when they're thankful, its original owner is long gone. A 24-year-old named Andrew Valella lays across from me on a couch in his parents' basement. He has a fluffy brown beard that connects to his bold mustache. He wears a baseball cap and cracks his back before beginning the story he calls Halloween's Delight. A couple years ago, my friends and I, we lived in a condo in Waterloo. We had a three-bedroom apartment. Could have fit uh, 25 people max in the, in the place for a party. So that's what we did. Through a Halloween banger. We decorated. We even painted the walls with red paint, which was kind of uh, not allowed, but we did it anyways. Caution tape, cobwebs, the whole shebang, you name it. <laughs> we all dressed up. My roommates and I decided to be cops. One was a bad cop, I was the good cop, and we just played along like that all night. My other friend who doesn't live with us has a friend, and she was there. For Halloween, she was uh, a groupie for a rock band, ACDC. And uh, I don't know, she used to always flirt with me, small talk, whatever. Kind of knew, but like didn't really react to it much at the time. But then at the party, everyone's saying, she's kind of down for you. I'm like, huh, I'll take that. So whatever, played it cool. Small talk every now and then, casual. Hey, how are you? Uh, what are you drinking? Rum and Coke, you know, just small talk. And then eventually she went in for a kiss. Really random, didn't expect it. And wow, good for her. Andrew smiles as he reminisces. Beside him, his phone buzzes and he checks it as he tells the story. He tells me that usually he can tell how a night will pan out, but this night was far from what he expected. For some reason, she ended up following me into my bedroom while I was like grabbing something. 
So I'm in my bedroom now. She closes the door, locks it. Next thing you know, it becomes a hookup. Clothes are everywhere, her whole outfit off. The party was about to end anyways, but she decided that she wanted to stay the night. I was like, whatever, I have a queen size bed, it worked out. Mid hookup, she kept getting phone calls and she's like, oh, it's just, it's just my phone, whatever, I'll turn it off. But then she decided to answer it. She ended up having like a 45 minute conversation with one of her friends about what she's doing mid, mid hookup. Who does that? I ended up just falling asleep because I was so drunk and tired. And the next thing you know, it was morning and she's like, okay, gotta go. And she left in such a hurry. I'm pretty sure she had work. She even said, thanks for a great night. So assuming that she had a good night, she said, let's do it again sometime. I'm like, probably not. But I said, okay, see ya. I didn't even get her number. Don't even remember her last name. But uh, yeah, now I own an ACDC shirt. Not only the shirt is cool and it's worth money now, I don't know how this girl got it. It was black and there's an autograph on the right side of it by one of the lead singers. I'm pretty sure it could be worth a lot of money one day. But it reminds me of what a bad night that was and why I will never call that girl in my life. But here I am with a really cool ACDC shirt that I wear sometimes. One of her friends, that's actually my best friend, she said, isn't that what's-her-face's shirt? And I go, is it? And now it's my shirt, so who really cares? Other people find physical memories bittersweet. Intimate moments are treasured, yet keeping someone's belongings feels heavy and they tend to serve only as a constant reminder of the situation. Jennifer and Joni sits across from me in her car, one hand holding a Starbucks coffee and the other tapping the steering wheel. Many months ago, Jenna broke up with her now ex-boyfriend, Gabe. Her mantra has been out of sight, out of mind. So he was basically an asshole. He treated me like shit. It was a very toxic relationship. A lot of gaslighting. I just, I couldn't do anymore. Like for, we were dating for like a year and a half and like halfway through it, he just like changed. And like, I guess it's like his true self. His true self is an asshole. Jenna wiggles beside me. Her once open hand now makes a fist. Her window continuously rolls up and down as she smokes. Up until their one year anniversary, Jenna said that if a stranger asked, she would have described the relationship as trusting, loving, ultimately perfect. Yet, after hitting the one-year mark, she says he completely changed. All of his friends were like, Gabe, you're way, way too young to be in like a serious relationship. Like you gotta like live your life, like hook up with girls. Like you can't be like in a serious committed relationship. And then he started just like acting really like really shady like he would go to other girls houses and like in the hot tub he would lie and be like oh she has a boyfriend and then when I would tell someone he'd be like whoa why, why are you spreading lies but I'm like that's what you told me and then he started getting pissed and he was like oh my god you're so like so dramatic you give me so much stress and like literally after that it was downhill. Jenna explains that once their relationship began to decay they both agreed on taking a three-week break. <laughs> 
During this time, Gabe assumed Jenna would come running back. Yet she realized something else. I was obsessed with him. Like, I'm, I need him. I need him to live. Like, I cannot, like, breathe without him. That's how I, like, felt in, like, the first year. After the break, I'm like, oh, my God. I don't have to, like, shut up because I'm, like, with him. I don't have to make him happy. Like, you know? I can actually live without him and be happy because I'm not happy right now. He would always say, like, you're, you're like a fish on a hook. Asshole. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> when we decided to talk, I'm like, yeah, you treat me like an asshole. I don't deserve this. I deserve so much better than what you're offering me in this relationship. And I decided to, like, cut it off right then and there. Fuck him. Jenna told me that although it was her first relationship, she quickly learned the tactics to work through the symptoms of heartbreak. You need to distract yourself when you're going through a breakup. Like, you cannot be alone. Like, the first week, I'm like, I would ignore all my texts and, like, my calls from my friends. I'm like, bro, like, leave me alone. Like, I need to be, like, by myself, like, in my bed constantly. Like, that's so toxic. And my friends are, like, they would be knocking at my door. They're like, Jenna, get the fuck out of your bed. Like, we're doing stuff. It would be fun because I would have them in the day to, like, we would do fun things. And, like, I, Gabe would not be on my mind. But the second I would, like, be at home and, like, I would see the stuff that, like, was his, like sweaters, like gifts that he would got me, I would be back in my feels. So I'm like, the only way, the only way to stop these feelings is to get rid of it. So he got this sweater when he went to London, his trip to London. And it was one of his favorite sweaters because I remember when I first took it, he was like, oh, I'm gonna need this back. This is like my favorite sweater. Like even before I had it, he would wear it on like the daily. So like when I think of Gabe, I think of that sweater. Like our first date, he was wearing it. And like, oh, even now I get like mushy because I'm like, oh, like it was it was his favorite sweater. And then it, it was like my thing that just reminded me of him. Like it made me feel safe. It smelled like him. So I did not wash it for like two weeks because like it still had the faint smell of like his like cologne. And like, oh, my God, it would bring me so much like like warmth and then like coziness. I'm like, this is this is love. Like the sweatshirt like was love for me. For 10 months, like I was sleeping in that sweater. And I was, then I, it like it hit me. I'm like, bro, I have to get rid of it. I can't even look at it. I can't even like think of it in my closet because it just reminds me of like the person I wanted him to be. And like he couldn't, he, he, he couldn't be that person anymore. So I fucking threw that shit in the garbage. <laughs> and I cried. I, I did cry. I hate to say it. <laughs> but yeah, and like getting rid of it, it was hard because I was throwing away all those like good memories I've had with him. But I just had to remember, like, that's not the person he could be for me. It doesn't matter that, like, I got rid of, like, the physical things, like, the gifts he got me, the sweaters, right? I still, like, little things remind me of him, and it's, it's heartbreaking. I'm thankful that I've, like, grown. Like, that's cliche, but it's true. I think that I'm over him, but deep down, like, I'm not. He was my first love, my literally my first everything. Like, you can't forget that. And it's so hard. Like, I've tried so many times. And, like, you can't. You, you can never forget something like that. <laughs> With time, my heart will heal. <laughs> Whether the feelings are bitter or not, holding on to these belongings can feel like an immortalization of the person who originally owned them. They can be the idle, gentle reminder of everything that person embodied. I was the firstborn, so my mother relied on uh, me 
mostly to be her interpreter because she was from Italy and in this country here you have to speak English so my siblings and I but mostly me had to be the interpreter for her when we went to the grocery store or when we met with teachers and so yeah we had to do a lot of her communicating she was very timid and very uncomfortable speaking the language so we had to step up and kind of like be that for her the interpreter the voice Lorena Rossi sits across from me, swiveling in the chair placed in the middle of her home office. Her dark brown hair is falling out of a loose ponytail, and her dainty fingers play with its frayed ends. As I started coming of age, maybe 14 or 15, I started to uh, start to change a little bit. You know, I started getting boyfriends and hanging around with boys and she was cool with that but then sometimes we butted heads well actually we butted heads a lot because I found that she was kind of I didn't I really kind of wanted her to be more strict and maybe put her foot down a lot more because she was kind of like a pushover in many people's eyes so we butted heads and I felt like I had to take over and be the be the mom figure a lot for my siblings. So I protected them from a lot of stuff that was happening around. Well, not a lot of stuff, just a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos. We grew up with a lot of partying and alcoholism and um, noise and music. And then sometimes it was very quiet. That's how I grew up with her. The now 51-year-old takes a long breath and peers out the window. On January 31st, 2018, her mother passed away from a battle with lung cancer. I was in shock even though I expected it. And then, you know, like I always say, death is just a word until you live it. She was my friend. I called her every day. We spoke on the phone. So I miss her. She's my, she was my friend. But these things have to happen, I guess. That's what makes us grow. And through death and through acceptance and all that stuff, you move on. Lorena opens her dresser showing me where her mother's jewelry now resides. Though all I see are red and white boxes at the back of the drawer. The very same day that she passed away, um, my siblings and I decided to go to her place and clear out all her belongings uh, because my brother still lived there and we thought that was the best thing to do is just like start going through everything and then we came across her jewelry and it's not expensive jewelry it was costume jewelry but she wore her earrings with her necklaces and they all matched it's cute I really can't look at that stuff still because it's sad 
she would also give my niece a lot of the jewelry. She would think about her everywhere she went and pick up, you know, an item and put it in a cute little velvet pouch. And that's how she kept everything separated, nice and organized. It was cute in her way. She wasn't like my organized, but she was organized in her own way and it was cute. She makes herself tiny in the chair she sits in. Her knees are bent towards her chest, her arms wrapped around her legs. She stares out the window again, her eyes glossy from the tears. I ask her how she deals with the pain of losing somebody she loved. I try not to, well, because it's my mother, I don't know if it's anybody else would do this, but I don't look at any of her pictures or her stuff right now because it's still too hard. So hopefully one day I'll be able to go through everything. And But everybody grieves differently. There's some people who constantly look at pictures and go through everything just to feel their presence. But I can't. But that's my advice. It's just like when you're ready, maybe you can you know, take some time to separate yourself from it. I know that it's in my house and it's close to me. So if ever... Um, I need to go there, I will. And that'll bring her closer to me. Our fast-paced society can make it difficult to decide how to feel about holding on to something from the past. How are you supposed to know what to do when it comes to affairs of the heart? Do you simply let them go or place them back in your drawer where they now belong? At the end of the day, it's your choice. Whether you're the one lying down on the couch in the basement, the one fidgeting in the driver's seat of a car, or the one timidly swiveling in an office chair, your feelings are your feelings. And however you choose to deal with them is just right. Super interesting content there, Mia, and so much that's so relatable. That was Mia Meta with episode nine. And huge thanks to our executive producer, Emily Morantz, associate producer, Manuela Vega, artwork by Ben Shelley, theme music composed by John Powers. I've been your host, Gracie Bryson. And last but not least, shout out Amanda Capito, your boyfriend's favorite hoodie. And remember, fitting in is overrated.